This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. It's a happy day in many ways, but the fight is not over. I want you to remember that. The fight for liberty and freedom in this country in response to COVID authoritarianism It is a long way from being over. There are battles still to be waged. And in the future, there's going to be more attempts. I'm telling you, they're going to try to do more of this crap to us. So get ready for that. We cannot give this up. We cannot allow them to continue to think that the government has a right to make the most arbitrary decisions imaginable about the economy, about your health, about your freedom. But despite the idiocy of the biden administration uh stock market's probably going to have some really high performers you know inflation sure it's bad for the economy it's bad for the dollars in your bank account but some stocks get inflated along with inflation that's that's how it actually usually works you got to know where to put your money that's why i want you to have some expert advice in real time from carnivore trading Carnivore Trading is an elite squad of strategists who influence major Wall Street investors. When you subscribe to Carnivore, like I do, you'll receive real-time text alerts of explosive trades they're making for their elite clients. You then mirror those trades, which is what I'm doing, with your discount broker or pass. But why would you pass when their trades routinely crush the S&P 500? And here's their guarantee. Five times your monthly subscription to you or double your money back. 5x your monthly fee just by mirroring their trades. That's their upside guarantee. The market could be on the verge here of a massive upswing, and there will be sectors with tremendous profits. Get off the sidelines and mirror Carnivore's trades today. Right now, you'll get two weeks of this service free. You just sign up for it, you get your subscription going, and they'll text you what stocks to buy right to your phone. So easy and straightforward. And they give you a great write-up of the whole market at the end of the day every Monday through Friday. Go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. We have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. Based on the continuing downward trajectory of cases, the scientific data on the performance of our vaccines and our understanding of how the virus spreads, that moment has come for those who are fully vaccinated. Masking up after vaccination was always crazy. It was always a crazy idea. I want you to remember that. It was completely unreasonable the moment they said it. I understand now that they're going to tell you it's because the data changed. They're going to tell you it's because they're just being responsive to the facts. But no, they're being responsive to the politics here. It became untenable and it became untenable to continue to have idiotic, arbitrary, stupid rules. Because people like me, like this show, kept holding their feet to the fire, kept pointing out 
the arbitrariness, the inaccuracies, the contradictions, the absurdity of all of this. So, yes, right now, effectively, mask mandates for the vaccinated are over. Which also means that, in essence, we're on an honor system now where when you go into a place because we don't have vaccine passports and there'll be quite a fight over it if they try to make us have vaccine passports. I can assure you of that right now. People who go into stores, go into places should just be able to walk in and everybody should be on the honor system. And I think that the CDC should also have to release guidance on, OK, if you're within a 90 day window of infection, well, you're not really necessarily supposed to get vaccinated because you already have antibodies in your system and you want to wait and let everyone else get their turn first. And scientifically, you are at very, very minimal risk of reinfection. Uh, you're you're effectively, as, as I always say, um, immune, if not vaccinated. Right. That's what you're dealing with. Can't you walk into a store without a mask on? Can't you go about your life? I mean, I'm I'm not wearing a mask in the gym anymore in New York, even though no surprise. How do you think a lot of libs reacted to this? How do you think a lot of libs reacted? I mean, I feel like somebody who has been kept in prison on false charges. So, yes, I'm happy that I'm being let out, but I never should have been in here in the first place. You know, I'm happy the authorities have admitted their mistake, but I never should have been in that cell. But do you think that all the libs were saying, oh, my gosh, this is great. We don't have to stifle our breath anymore. We don't have to double mask when we go jogging. When I'm on the bike trail by myself, I don't have to be constantly coughing and choking because I'm I'm not allowed to breathe normally because I need three masks. No, they, they didn't say, oh, wow, I get they're saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. I think I might still have to mask up. I think I might need to keep I think I might need to keep double masking. Let's go to classic lifestyle lib virtue signaling imbeciles mika and joe play six right well i'm so glad mika you talked about planes because you know i i i got a master's in broad generalities uh but so let's be specific right. about this if you're on airplanes if you're on buses if you're on public transportation uh, wear the mask you still are expected to yeah. wear the mask and actually for your own health you should still wear the mask i gotta say in the future i mean i haven't gotten the flu in a year why why am i going to start wearing a mask on uh, stop wearing a mask on planes that That's just right. makes good Good common sense. It's a good uh, idea. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's a good. <laughs> Mika, just yeah, Joe, you're so smart. Yeah, that's great. And no, what's happened with the CDC? And I know that their official guidance is you still have to wear it on trains and buses and planes. Why? Why? Have they ever proven that those are major areas of transmission? Nope, they have not. You notice again. It's arbitrary. But this is the crack in the dam. Now the whole thing starts to come down. They're trying to sort of keep it all back, but the whole thing is going to come down. It's just a matter of time. Doesn't mean they're not going to try to rebuild it. Doesn't mean the tyranny is gone forever. I want you to be very clear about that. In fact, there have already been some basic uh, indicators of what they're going to try to do, which is reinstitute all this in the winter. This is going to become you're going to be conditioned for this. I promised you there would be in New York and other blue states a second round of lockdowns 
a year ago, and I was right. I'm telling you, they're going to try to drag some of these rules into the fall about masking, about you know, they're, you're still going to be wearing masks on planes, trains, and uh, not, well, automobiles if you're a lunatic, like these people driving with the masks on by themselves. Oh, the COVID might fly into my car and it might go up my nose and Fauci says it all. Yeah, right. Uh, you're still going to be wearing masks uh, on planes into the fall and then it'll be oh we gotta we gotta stop a surge even with you know months and months more of vaccination the vaccine works or it doesn't folks and it works so everyone just needs to stop being crazy that's really where we are now stop being crazy you know maybe biden for example can stop being crazy now he said this yesterday and i'm wondering if we're going to see him tomorrow you know, shuffling around, looking like he's lost the keys that are actually around his neck. You know, where, 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 to, where to put my keys? You know, I'm, you know, come on, folks. It's Joe Biden. Why do I talk like this? I'm from Delaware and I feel like it's folksy. Am I, am I from Delaware? Am I from some nondescript place in the heartland or in the south? That's why I have this kind of breathy fake accent thing to do. Uh, but Biden said this yesterday, 24. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the CDC announced that they are no longer recommending that fully vaccinated people need wear masks. This recommendation holds true whether you are inside or outside. I think it's a great milestone, a great day. It's been made possible by the extraordinary success we've had in vaccinating so many Americans so quickly. Notice they keep talking about this as a recommendation. It's not, it's not a recommendation. It's really a recommendation the same way if you're living in Beijing, doing what the Chinese Communist Party tells you is a recommendation. But there are many people who they, they don't want to give it up. They attached this significance to the mask, not just of safety or anything else, but of of their goodness. It was your it was your patriotic duty two weeks ago. Your patriotic duty. Biden was telling patriotic duty to wear a mask. Now it's well, I mean, actually telling all those vaccinated people because we're, we're at over 100 million people vaccinated. OK, so they've been telling people they've been telling 100 million Americans who have no reasonable basis to mask up ever under any circumstances whatsoever. They've been telling them for months now, oh, you still got to wear that mask. It's patriotic duty. The dumbest people on TV, the dumbest people in the media are going to continue with this. They're going to keep saying, oh, you know, I, I got I to gotta keep wearing the mask just to show people what a good person I am. Get ready for that. Play nine. New York State has not adopted the guidelines yet. So tomorrow, maybe in New York, in public spaces, indoors, people won't be wearing masks, but we'll see. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, that's when they say no shirt, no shoes, no service. Business can still tell you no mask, no service. So you must carry your mask around and abide by the guidelines. And I will happily, gladly do that because what? This is not I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for uh, other people. And that's it. I'm, right. I, I want to be a good citizen and a good human being. The only push I have on it is that's not what the science says, but you can be courteous no, no, no. anyway. Yeah. 
I, I understand that. You can be courteous anyway. No, force them to tell you to wear a mask. Force every business in America now to say, excuse me, sir, put your mask on. And then look at them and be like, are you a moron? And go from there. That's what you sh- that's what I plan on doing. I'm already walking around my building without a mask on. Force them to tell you mask up so you can look at them and say, do you have access to the Internet? Do you know what your science overlords have said? Now is the time for an absolute across the board non-compliance push. Not remember, you're complying with the CDC. You're complying with the federal guidance. So if businesses, if private organizations want to cause a problem, make them cause a problem. If your local government, if your local, you know, uh, city council or town wants to cause it, they're the ones causing the problem now. They're the ones not listening to the science. Stick it in their face like a stupid piece of paper mask that we've all been coughing into and choking on for months because they're a bunch of neurotic crybabies. Do it. See how it works. Well, I liked that part of what she had to say, because I do think that we need to send the very clear message that vaccination is your ticket back to pre-pandemic life. But frankly, I was shocked by this announcement. I think they went from one extreme to another. And the major step that's missing here is how do we know that people are telling the truth? We talked in the last hour about the honor code. I mean, if you're going to the grocery store, maybe you're fully vaccinated. You take off your mask at the grocery store. But who's going to be checking to see if Others are also vaccinated. So what does that mean? If I'm bringing my son, my four-year-old, who is not fully vaccinated, now he's going to be in a grocery store potentially exposed to people who are not vaccinated, who could be of danger to him. And so I guess I am kind of befuddled as to where this guidance came from. I think there are a lot of steps that we're missing. I was expecting to hear something about outdoor mask, mask guidance today. And also I was expected to hear if fully vaccinated people are around others who are known to be fully vaccinated, they can fully let down their guard. I wasn't expected to hear essentially that indoor mask mandates can all go because that's what the CDC is saying. They're saying we don't need indoor mask mandates anymore. That is what the CDC is saying. That is what is being told here. So, yeah, deal with it, libs. Oh, but what about the honor code? What about people that aren't going to? Too bad. Sorry. You know, you had your way. You, You had your neurotic way as long as you possibly could but now it was so overwhelming i mean to give you a sense of how overwhelming the numbers are how overwhelming the situation is dr wen who's the former chief butcher of planned parenthood uh she's now on cnn of course because you work for planned parenthood you're in very tight with the democrat media apparatus and she's on cnn and she's telling everybody oh but what about people that aren't aren't gonna be telling the truth about this what about my four-year-old she says All right, let's do some quick back of the uh, napkin math on the wrist to her four year old in a country where you have at least 100, soon to be 150 million people who are fully immune from the vaccine. Okay, the actual risk of fatality to her child from covid is about one in it's actually less than one in a million. That's how many four year olds nationwide you're talking. I think it's a couple hundred. 330 million people in America, let's say it's 200 to 250 kids who have died at that age of COVID. So it's, it was a one in a million risk 
for the entire year of the pandemic when people weren't vaccinated, now your risk is cut at least 50% from one in a million, and she's still like, oh, but what about my child? Stop being crazy, libs. Stop. You know, I just read yesterday this piece in The Atlantic, and it was a doctor, an, an MD, and, you know, so many MDs. What you realize is that uh, pediatricians, epidemiologists, Unfortunately, they're as liberal as college professors by party affiliation, almost. I mean, they're overwhelmingly leftists and their politics influence their medical and scientific judgment on this all along. We all know it. We all saw it. Oh, but Black Lives Matter is saving lives so they can protest. That's fine. Yeah, sure. But what you see in this this article by this uh, doctor uh, writing in The Atlantic was talking about post-pandemic PTSD. I keep saying things like stop being crazy libs. I keep saying things like get a grip. I mean it. The left turned this into not only a, a political issue, you know, and and the mass became the, the bloody shirt of the covid pandemic used to bludgeon uh, political opponents on the right. Oh, you're a Trumper and hydroxychloroquine and injecting Clorox in your veins and all the stupid crap they said for forever. Uh, that was going on. But now you have people who have been emotionally and psychologically damaged by all the panic porn. Damaged by it. You know, they they were locked away from people in their homes. And what happened was they had a steady diet of hysteria in the in the media. And it changed the wiring in their brains a little bit. And now they can't even do very basic risk analysis with should I be worried about my four-year-old walking into a grocery store because of COVID? You never should have been worried about your four-year-old. And to be worried about him now, when you're talking about going to be soon half the population definitely immune, and when you add up all the actual natural immunity out there, it's, you know, you're looking at two-thirds of the country probably can't actually get COVID anyway at this point. Or I should say, pardon me, is highly unlikely to get it because of existing immunity in their system. Oh, I don't want, you know, media matters to fact check me. This bunch of imbecile beta males is the worst place on the planet. So I'm, I'm pleased in a sense. But like I said before, how happy are you to your jailers? How thankful are you to your jailers when they imprisoned you falsely and then they let you out? You're supposed to say, oh, this is great. What a great job. All right, guys, thanks. You know, I appreciate you didn't lock me up forever for a crime I didn't commit. I, I do a pre- really nice of you. Really great. I'm, yeah, and, you know, you can have gratitude to, to God that you aren't dealing with this anymore. But the people that are responsible, the people that put you in the cage in the first place, very hard to feel like they're uh, deserving of a lot of gratitude. And I'm just going to say this until you see how true it is. It's not over. It's not over. Governor Cuomo. uh, I've got my own very smart people. I have a team of experts that doesn't really think we're ready to go with the CDC guidance. Yeah, why are we not ready to go? Because I want people to kiss the ring and then maybe I'll consider letting them have back the right to breathe in the fresh air. That's right. The governor of New York is saying, no, we're not doing it. We're not obeying the CDC guidance. 
I just want you to pay very close attention to people who have been loud in the media and in government about listening to the science, which is a laugh line. Now, people say that are idiots. But listen to the science. They said this all along. What are they going to say now about those politicians and media figures who straight up say, no, we're not going to listen to the science. You know, we're not going to listen to what's going on uh, at the CDC. So what's up with that? You know, what's up with that? I, I just I ask, I wonder, I don't know. Well, actually, I do know they're damaged. They're damaged. They can't actually handle the fact that there's no longer virtue to signal by walking around with your hashtag Biden Harris 2020 double face mask on. As America's reopen continues here, we have to remember that small businesses are the backbone of the U.S. economy, and they're really what makes the U.S. economy in so many ways. And they've got a lot of challenges right now. I know finding workers is an issue. Uh, Keeping workers is an issue. And just in general, you got a lot on your mind if you're running a small business. So why not take something off your plate, have it dealt with for you in a way that is extremely efficient, easy and not expensive? Because when running a business, HR issues can kill you. You know this. You got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations and HR manager salaries aren't cheap. An average of seventy thousand dollars a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business, and they help you manage your employees day-to-day. For $99 a month, that's it. Month to month, no hidden fees, cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. So let Bambi help. Get a free HR audit today so they can tell you just how much they can help. Go to this website, Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule that free HR audit. That's Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck, Bambi.com slash buck. It is hard for me to imagine myself, you know, waltzing into the stop and shop tomorrow morning and not wearing a mask. I just feel like I'm not wired that way anymore. And it still feels it still feels risky. So, I, again, forgive me for speaking in personal terms, and I don't mean to be too blunt about this, but how sure are you? Um, because this feels like a really big change. We're sure. There's an extraordinary amount of evidence now that demonstrates the vaccines are working in the real world, um, in, uh, in cohort studies, um, in care facilities, in, in, uh, across all states, um, that these vaccines are working the way they worked in the clinical trials. Importantly, there's also new data, um, just even in the last two weeks that demonstrates these vaccines are working, um, in, uh, in against the variants that we have circulating here in the United States. Notice that, you know, multimillionaire liberal celebrity Rachel Maddow is straight up telling you what I've been saying for months. This 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 is an emotional issue for libs. This is a psychological condition they have now, which is why they've always been so unreasonable, which is why, you know, I've been to to dinner with friends when they stand up to to go to the bathroom. They've been sitting there with no mask on and somebody will, you know, walk past and say mask, mask. 
you know, as if they're walking around with their pants down, letting it all hang out, you know? Well, what is wrong with people? This is an emotional, psychological disorder for libs. Has been really all along. Oh, they, they believed that all we had to do was mask up to stop the pandemic. That was what we were being told for months and months before the actual second wave hit in the winter of 2020. Remember that? There were pieces being published about how it could bring down COVID cases, 70%, 80%. You know, oh, really? Yeah, sure. It was just absurd. Fauci himself in 2020 laughed, mocked the idea of mask wearing as a generalized health uh, protection issue. And then it became the single most important thing you could do. That and Lysoling your groceries. They told people to do that. You remember that? They also told people that we were going to need a million ventilators. Turned out that they were putting people on ventilators far too early, which likely resulted in a much higher fatality rate than would have been the case had the medical community not been in a state of panic and just throwing people on ventilators because, yes, we were in the midst of a pandemic and people didn't really understand it. But there, these were panic moves. Saying we need a million ventilators, that's a panic move. This is what the government told us. The CDC is a catastrophic failure, okay? It's like you had the DMV in charge of our pandemic response. The CDC, not much better than the DMV. Slightly fancier resume, uh, you know, pages from people, but decision-making, not good. Not good at all. Um, but I, I play this for you because you can tell there are, there are Democrats out there. It's become so ingrained in them politically to be more, more frightened than they should be and that this is what good people do. They believe, the, they, they internalize the government propaganda. So in a sense, I, I at least have to give them credit for believing the BS that they were peddling all along. Um, but I am not done here with who was right and who was wrong. I'm not done with the reality of what we went through in this pandemic and holding elected officials, media, media organizations to account for this. And at the very top of the list uh, of those groups that should be met with scorn and derision and for whom there should be accountability are teachers unions. You will remember Chris Christie. And I know right now he's like he, he got in close with Trump. It's so interesting to me that people, you know, when he was in close with Trump. I felt like a lot of Republicans were like, oh, well, I guess he's OK. And, and then he was. You know why he didn't end up working for the Trump administration? Everyone knows this who is close to the administration because he sent Jared Kushner's father to prison. Jared Kushner's father. Went to prison because he broke the law. He was committed felonies. OK, that's what happened. That was the only reason Chris Christie didn't work for Trump. So just remember that while everyone's like, oh, you know, Chris Christie. And I look, I'm not a Chris Christie fan, but I just think it's so interesting that there was a window where, oh, maybe he's cool. And then it was, oh, no, he's not because because Trump turned him down. But the only reason Trump turned him down was because his Democrat son in law had a personal beef with Christie. So there's that. And look, I, I mean, I would have that if I were in the, if I were in Jared Kushner's shoes, I would have probably felt the same, probably felt the same way. Right. I mean, you mess with my dad, you mess with my family. I, I don't care. I'm. I want payback, but I'm just saying, remember that about Christie, because this is a long way of getting into how he was fantastic about 10 years ago on what a bunch of lazy, greedy frauds the teachers unions were. This was the best 
Christie's greatest hits were just him at these town hall style meetings crushing on or crushing, crushing on is a different thing, crushing teachers unions. I mean, Christie was just from the top belt buckle like Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Christie was just plopping down. And that's quite a visual play 11. Well, listen, Randy Weingarten owes an apology to parents across America for what she and her reunion has wrought on these children um, over the last nine months. These children should have been back in school in September. And there was all the science in the world back then to say that kids should have been back in school. And then they kept moving the goalposts, remember? And they said, well, now we won't do it till every teacher is vaccinated. Then we won't do it till every child is vaccinated, even though there was absolutely no scientific evidence to back that up. Listen, as you mentioned, Martha, I've been through these battles with the teachers' union. This is not about teachers. This is about their union. And their union, yep. all they care about is the accumulation of power. And that's what they were trying to do here. Randy Weingarten got caught with her hands in the cookie jar. So did Joe mm-hmm. Biden and his wife backing these people in an unabashed way and slapping down the head of the CDC. All this stuff is unacceptable and they need to be held accountable yeah. for it. Yes. Yes. He's right, folks. A hundred percent correct. People should think differently about public sector unions in general, but specifically the teachers unions here. People should have a a different approach to teachers unions going forward. I mean, states should really work to abolish them. Public sector unions in general, with the possible exception of fire and police, you know, jobs where you're actually putting your life in danger. But teachers unions uh, are absurd. You know, you don't want the job. Don't 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 have the job. Go get another job union. You're getting paid by the taxpayer who. Who is a union going up, uh, going up against the other side of the bargaining table? The government that's paying them? Give me a break. Yeah, that works out really well for us, doesn't it? While we had people working in grocery stores, while I was going to my job every day to do a TV show for the first, I was showing up months and months, day in and day out. Uh, teachers unions were saying, we can't go into work. Oh, my gosh, it's too dangerous. It wasn't too dangerous. They were just lazy and they wanted more money. They wanted more power, and the Democrat Party is effectively owned by the teachers' unions. They need them, and they know it. So that's what happened. And millions and millions of—this is not just about how I don't like teachers' unions, because clearly I don't, but millions of children really suffered. Psychological anguish. You know, and for people who think that psychological anguish is not something that has to be factored into government policy, I got news for them. Um— what do they think solitary confinement is? No, no one's harming you physically in solitary confinement. No one's putting you through physical pain in solitary confinement. But people, it's known, will over time actually lose their minds if they're in solitary long enough. Think of all the people who were put through psychological trauma by the government policies of the lockdowners. And then think about what it has done for children to be separated from their friends, to no longer have structure in their day, to have overworked, stressed out parents trying to keep, you know, deal with them in the house and and also keep their jobs going, assuming they're able to keep their jobs because they didn't lose them from lockdown policies, you know, separately. Think about all that and just remember that when people like me, 
And you know, if you listen to the show, I've been absolutely consistent on this. I am very proud of what we've been telling you here over the course of the of the pandemic. Yes, my predictions were correct, but even beyond that, just holding the line against the Fauciite consensus and the lunacy out there. I want you to remember, though, that there were a lot of people who suffered terribly, unnecessarily, and we're going to have to deal with not just the loss of learning, but the emotional and psychological trauma of children that was only that only happened because of neurotic, greedy adults at places like the teachers unions, the Democrat Party and the corporate media, because it was necessary to push the panic porn to defeat Trump because it was necessary to create this as some kind of unifying message for Democrats to mask up and lock down patriotic duty. Biden says a lot of people had a lot of people suffered that didn't have to. And I'm not letting that go. You, you want to explain to them the rationale of what we're doing. We want virtually everybody to get vaccinated. What we're doing now with the relaxation of the restrictions on people who are vaccinated is trying to get back to a degree of normality, which people who get vaccinated deserve to have that. That's been one of the things that's been the concern, saying, if I get vaccinated, what difference is it going to make? My life hasn't really changed that much. Well, now your life is going to change that much. For people who are not vaccinated, this might be an incentive for them to get vaccinated. The decision that the CDC made was not as an incentive to get people vaccinated, but this could actually have the indirect effect of getting people to be incentivized to get vaccinated. Um, it's not indirect. It's obvious. And it was obvious all along. Little Fouch, you know, there's a part of Fouch now. It's like, oh, gosh, you mean I'm not going to be able to just go on TV and say, you know, we're approaching the period here where the mitigation of the diminution of the continuation of the measures will be, you know, entering the first phase, the start, the nascent era of a slow concomitant reduction of the, you know, let's just say, in the next three to six to 300 months, we'll really have a, you know, you get it, right? Fauci's act is going to wear very thin now, isn't it? Speaking of acts, fake tapper over at CNN. I was always still so shocked when I see certain conservatives that kiss up to this guy. You'll see some of it if you are on social media. If you say, why, why would somebody on the right kiss up to this guy? He's a propagandist for the left and he's a smarmy, horrible person. I, I, I do judge anyone who doesn't know how fake fake tapper is. I I lose respect in the media for that person uh, on the right very quickly. Here he is. Twenty three. Do you think that places such as grocery stores, pharmacies, whatever, should allow vaccinated people to come in and shop without masks? Oh, yes, uh, Absolutely. I mean, that's really the whole point that we're talking about, that vaccinated people, if you look at the data and, you know, people have asked the CDC, well, what's changed? Why the change in, in the uh, recommendations? Well, the data that's accumulated now is that clearly the infections are going down. Yeah, the infections have been going down for a long time. 
This is not new. This is not surprising. So why do we continue to be in this place where we're going to be grateful now that they bow to objective reality? We're, we're supposed to be grateful that they're going to stop being quite so crazy. And as I've said to you, well, why isn't New York going along with it? You know, a lot of you are like, ha ha. <laughs> and I know. But, you know, if you live in Texas, you live in. Well, Florida is better than Texas on this. But if, if you live in Denver to all my Den, all my team buck Denver peeps out in Colorado, you know, you're going to have uh, city ordinances and you're going to have businesses probably for a while here that just they just cling to those masks. Just hold them like hold them like a like a three year old holds a you know little blankie. And when he doesn't want to, like, uh, go on a sleepover, you know, because like, you need the blankie there to keep you feeling safe. I mean, for three year olds, it's fine. I'm not trying to make fun of three year olds, but we're adults. Right? We're adults here and we shouldn't cling to the face diapers the way that that some people want to. But it's become so important to them. I mean, how will they know? How will you be able to visually tell if somebody watches CNN and reads the front page of the New York Times every day and is like hashtag BLM, hashtag woke, hashtag climate change, existential threat. If they're not wearing a mask now all the time, how will you know that? I know what a oh, you know, there's another side of it, though, and that is that maybe actually seeing other human beings faces is important, which I told you all along. Maybe things in this country felt so tense and awful during the pandemic, in part because wearing masks was dehumanizing because it is Tom Friedman is a blowhard, but he does make that point kind of five in hearing that announcement um, from the CDC this afternoon. I felt that we were finally at the beginning of the end of this. Uh, I felt that there's going to be a real return to normalcy for, for me, my family, my friends, society. Um, and, and, um, most of all, you know what I thought about, Chris, and you alluded to it in your introduction. We've just been through a crazy two years. I mean, crazy at so many levels uh, because of the past president and uh, the divisions in the society. I don't know what factor was politics and Trump and what factor was the pandemic and, and the fact that we all had to go around with our faces covered. But I am hopeful that with people taking their masks off, we can talk to each other in different ways, look each other in the eye, see each other smile, a wry grin, whatever, that that, that too will, will reduce the temperature in the country, the political temperature. Wouldn't that be nice? Reduce the political temperature. Yes, I, I will be a much less ornery person when I can breathe fresh air outside and not have imbeciles who believe the corporate media Democrat propaganda uh, trying to shame me into being uncomfortable and constantly agitated because they're hysterical nincompoops. So I, I do think that will make things a little bit better. And, and I know, folks, you know, I've been I've been one of the few here waging a battle against mask mania and lockdowns for a year. So I'm, I'm not saying that we here in the Freedom Hut are, are taking a bow, but I am saying we're taking a victory lap before we get back into the battle. That's true. Ah, the leadership of the GOP. Who do they really represent? You have Elise Stefanik now as the new conference chair. Ooh, Elise Stefanik uh, seems like a bit of a rhino, but she says the right things about Trump to keep enough of the Trump base happy to keep them off the trail of her rhinoism. So 
I guess we're supposed to just go along with this now. Also, uh, I, I, the president, President Trump put out a statement about Chip Roy. Chip Roy is a conservative, folks. Chip Roy is supporter of the MAGA agenda, indeed, in his deeds all along. Uh, so I, I thought that that, look, Trump is wrong about people a lot. You need to remember that. Some of the people that Trump put around him are, are just schmoes. And I'm talking about when he was in the White House. Anyone want to argue that point with me? No, you don't. You know, you, you know, anyone who wants to argue that knows that they'll lose the argument, right? So it's just the truth. Some of the people that Trump brought very some of the media people Trump brought very close to him are um, dumbasses and not honorable people. But nonetheless, I, I just I think it's important that we speak the truth about who is really fighting the fight right now and who's not. And I'm not letting I'm not letting good warriors for conservatism get maligned without without calling out reality here. OK, sorry. But uh, something else I want you to just keep in mind, I know it's a really busy time of year. You know, it's almost tax day and everything. And we got a lot of things we got to do. Here's something you got to add to your to do list, because if you're doing those things in life, like buying a home, having babies, starting your family, trying to build wealth, you need to add securing your family's future to your to do list by establishing by establishing a will or trust at trustandwill.com. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple, convenient, and secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children, determine who gets your stuff, and plan for future medical care all from the comfort of your home. Hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state you live in. This is what you got to do. Just go to the website. It's so straightforward. I've used it. The interface is easy. You'll get, in a matter of minutes, everything you need done. Gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash buck and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. Don't wait. Go right now. This is really important. Get this done and get 10% off plus free shipping at trustandwill.com slash buck. That's trustandwill.com slash buck. Many in the media and in Washington, including you, amplified anonymous sources, uh, stories claiming that President Trump ignored intelligence, that Russians were paying bounties to kill Americans in Afghanistan. We've since learned that that intelligence was pretty shoddy, poorly sourced. Do you regret taking part in spreading that story? No, I think actually if you look at the details of the story, Brett, you'll see that the intelligence community um, has made a, a recommendation about that intelligence. They've talked about having low confidence. I think if you go back and look at what I said, every single thing I said, I said if those stories are true, we need to know why the president and the vice president were not briefed on them uh, and, and made very clear that we were concerned. I remain concerned about the role of the Russian government in Afghanistan, the role of the Russians in terms of uh, working against our interests right. around the world. But you so, pointed uh, to President Trump. And my that, point is, is you were you... GOP conference chair. And I'm just articulating what some of your colleagues have said, that they thought that that was a moment where they thought that your but focus it... on the former president was more important to you than articulating GOP um, agenda and what they wish to do. Well, I, I think you really ought to go check your facts, Brett, because he was the sitting president at that time and not the former president. No, and, I'm the president. And wow. So smarmy from Cheney because she is no longer in GOP leadership 
And there's it really comes across if, if you get a chance, this uh, Cheney Brett Bear interview was very instructive because Brett Bear is saying, look, you know, you, you the GOP base isn't with you on this. You had roughly 90 percent support and still have roughly 90 percent support for Trump. And it's probably more like 97 percent. But you know what I mean? You, you've got the GOP still supports Trump and Trumpism. And yet Cheney clearly listen to, you know, remember the name. She has aspirations, folks. She's she thinks, you know, maybe we bring it back to the good old days where, yeah, you, you don't really you don't really win any victories at home and you certainly don't win any victories abroad. But that's the Cheney Bush model. That sounds great. You know, lose gracefully to the libs. Have them write at the end of the New York Times article where they're dancing on the grave of your policies that, well, at least they're polite while we slap them around. Right. That's that's the GOP of Bush Cheney. That sounds like fun, doesn't it? But you could tell that Cheney didn't like getting asked these questions, especially on the Russian bounties story. Uh, here's reality. The, the Russian bounties story. You can go back and check me on this. But I, I, I ask you, please check me on this. Was I saying that sounds like total bullcrap day one when that story was published? Yes, I was. Why would I know that? Well, because if you understand how the media was desperate to trash Trump in any way they possibly could right before the election. And one of the ways they thought they could actually beat him was by creating a false narrative of how Donald Trump isn't pro military, which I mean, there are a lot. You know, I, I criticize Trump more than a lot of other people who support him do. And I do support Trump and always have while he was president and I support his agenda now continue to but I would call it out I mean I was I still have the angry emails when I was calling out the nepotism you know you'd speak to Trump world people now they say you know Buck one of the biggest problems when you got two kids who are Democrats who have more influence on the president than any other person in the United States government and they're working officially in the White House you don't end up necessarily getting all the policy done that you said you would Wow, what a shock. This is from, I mean, obviously I can't tell you names because I don't want them to get in trouble with Trump world, but this is from people who were there. So I was telling you the truth and I got a lot of heat. I, look, I, I, I love you guys. You give me heat when I deserve it and even sometimes when I don't, and that's fine, right? This is like a big family conversation over the dinner table here every day where I guess, you know, yeah, over the dinner table is going to say some of you are listening to me at dinner time, some earlier, some later. But... I, I got to tell you on that one, that was the buck speaks truth to the team. And I think a lot of you understood that that's where it was coming from. But there were people that were mad at me. And I get it. You know, you're defensive of of a guy with Trump who was a movement unto himself and was a fighter for our side and everything else. But I've always told you this. I was trying to be the coach that was that was getting the team fired up at halftime to win the game. I was never pack it up and fold it in. We're done here. I was saying, come on, there's some things that need to change. And the shutdown of those mechanisms of correction within the Trump White House, because some people were just all, oh, Trump, I just need to be closer to Trump all the time. I'll get invited to more Trump dinners all the time. Uh, you know, that that didn't help. It's part of why he lost. Because he didn't have people that were actually able to get the message across about things like, oh, I don't know. Do the right thing about the BLM riots across the country right away. Don't start mumbling about how we're going to have, you know, oh, we'll do 
We'll do criminal justice reform. What? Uh, you, uh, you go back and listen to my shows in June of last year. They're all they're archived. They're online. Go see. I kept saying Trump's MIA. I kept trying to get word to the White House. But, you know, I don't, I don't have Trump on speed dial, right? I don't get to talk to him every day saying, well, what is this guy doing? But notice how I can talk to you about this. And it's like we're all at the table. We're a family. And we're all hoping for the best for America, for conservatism. And, and yes, for, for the Trump agenda. And we can disagree about it. It's like talking about our favorite sports team. I don't want the other team to win. I just want to make sure we got our best pitcher in the game. You know, because I want to make sure that uh, he has a great ERA. Is that right, Producer Mark? Or is that the batter? ERA is a pitching stat, yes. Yes! See? I want to make sure he's got the best ERA possible. Whereas Cheney, and this is what got me thinking about this, Cheney's rooting for the other team. Because she wants this team, she wants Team Trump to lose so that she can be the captain, so to speak. She can be the general manager. And that's what Brett Baer is really calling her out on here. And the fact that she was willing to go along with that narrative of Russian Taliban bounties on American soldiers, come on. She, she, she's, she's talking about honor and truth in the Constitution, but she went along with an info operation against Trump in the heat of the campaign when it mattered because she put her interests and her career prospects ahead of the people that comprise the heart and soul of the GOP base. And she has been held accountable for that now. People are like, oh, it's cancel. It's not cancel culture. She doesn't have a leadership job. Is it, is it cancel culture? Because, you know, I'm not uh, a, a judge on America's Got Talent. I work in media. You know, I want to make $10 million a year and sit there and be like, yeah, good song. Really well done. You know? No, it's not, it's not cancel culture. You have no, no right to leadership positions. But here you have, uh, oh, an, another a back and forth here between Bear and Cheney on the focus issue. But because for the people of Wyoming Brett, who are right. electing a congressperson to fight for them and to fight against the Biden agenda, why wouldn't they say, is this the person that's going to get it done? Uh, and that's because, what well, your colleagues are asking. I'm going to answer the question. Uh, we all have an obligation, and I would say Fox News especially, especially Fox News, has a particular obligation to make sure people know the election wasn't stolen. Fox and we've said News, that Fox times. News, Brett, I'm going to answer your question. Fox News needs to make no, sure that the American people. They need to make sure that the American people, Brett. You're doing the interview. I'm answering the questions. We need to make sure that the American people recognize and understand that the election wasn't stolen, that we shouldn't perpetuate the big lie, and that there's real danger. You know, I've worked in countries around the world where we don't have peaceful transitions of power. And, and all of us who are elected officials have got to uh, make sure that we obey and abide by the oath that we swore to the Constitution. I understand. And the, the peaceful transition of power is key to that. Now, if you want to, if you're asking me about my 
my constituents. My constituents believe firmly in the rule of law. They believe firmly in the Constitution. They know that we do not swear allegiance to any individual. Okay, and that it's, let me ask it's you this. crucially important. And you've made this if point. We, I'm going to make another point. It's crucially important if we want to be able to defeat the really bad Biden policies. We have to attract voters back to us. No, 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 no. I, I understand it was hard to listen through that, but I wanted to hear her her squawking at, at Brett Baer here. Uh, yeah, like she, she's the big GOP populist who's going to expo- who's going to expand the tent. Nepotism in the reddest state in the country, Wyoming, where her dad is the most famous politician to come out of that place in living memory. And she's the one who's really, yeah, she's going to bring in a lot more Latino voters and minority voters and young voters and white working class voters. Because when they see, you know, Liz Cheney with her expensive suits and her last name and the whole thing, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, that's the future of the GOP. No, no, sorry. She she doesn't get to play that card among many things that I have a problem with here. This is not about winning. This is about her personal vendetta. This is about the fact that she feels like the GOP of Bush Cheney, the lose gracefully time and time again, that GOP that did. Oh, what was the big accomplishment of the Bush Cheney years? Eight years. What did they do? Oh, they handed the country over to Barack Obama and the leftists for eight years. That was their real accomplishment. Oh, I'm sorry. They winning the war in Iraq, winning the war in Afghanistan, preventing the terrorist attack of 9-11. I mean, let's really have some serious honesty here for a second, folks. Yeah, I don't blame Bush Cheney. For 9-11, obviously, but happened on their watch, right? I, I mean, you, you got to look at it. And then we rallied as a country around taking this uh, this war on terror uh, t- against the enemy and didn't go so well. I mean, I worked the Iraq desk at the CIA, I remember, and a lot of it was bad decision making. I mean, say we, I mean, I've complained about Trump putting his his uh, his children in, in the position of of absolute authority inside the White House. And no one ever elected them. And they were Demo- they are both Democrats, both of them, like real liberal Democrats. Just think about that for a moment. But, you know, uh, during the Bush years, they basically had, oh, you know, my my my, my buddy, so and so son needs a job. He just got out of college. So let's make him like, you know. Head of the uh, Iraqi Federal Reserve Bank that we're going to create or something now. Go back and read about what was going on with the coalition provisional authority. And go back and look, look at those days. It was bad, folks. It was bad. But Cheney getting all smarmy. Look, good riddance to her in leadership. And I hope I hope we primary her. I hope she's gone. And I just I give Brett Bear credit here for being very patient also with uh, Cheney, who is being smarmy unnecessarily and and it's clear that this is all personal for her and it's about her family name her prospects and you know she's she's it's like it's like we had someone from the lincoln project essentially as the, the third most powerful person in the house of representatives that's what was going on and now it's over now we got stefanik we'll see how that goes it's a continuation of the big lie, but more importantly and more concerningly, it's a continuation of the insurrection, of this attempt to disin, disin, 
disenfranchise voters and to dismiss the legitimacy of our elections. And we know that this is only part of a larger intention. Uh, just today, there leaked audio from Heritage Action for America, where they admitted that this is model legislation being promulgated across the country through a vast Republican intention of limiting access to the right to vote because they think it's the best way to win. And according to the leaked audio, they've been meeting with secretaries of states, with governors, with legislators, all with the intent of putting forward legislation that will restrict access to the right to vote and make it easier for Republicans to win. And we should all be concerned because our elections are not about partisanship. It should not be a question of Republicans or Democrats gaming the system, but everyone being able to participate and make their own choices. I think it's great. Honestly, no, no, just listen to me. I think it's great that Stacey Abrams is the preferred uh, election integrity spokesperson for the Democrats. This is the person that we really should want out there making the case, saying things like recounts. That's right. Recounts, which are completely legal, which ensure public faith in and accountability in elections that recounts are, are are just a version of insurrection now. Oh, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Yes, recounts. You know, this would be a little bit like saying, you know, throwing a challenge flag in a football game is just like paying off the refs and cheating. No, it's, it's, it is, it's actually a very important part of the game, and it's completely within the rules. And often it turns out that you need to throw that challenge flag because the refs got it wrong. Challenge flag isn't cheating. Challenge flag is what you do. But she's saying, no, it's just the same. It's like you gave the ref a bag of money before the game or you threw a challenge flag during the game. Same thing. It's a stupid argument, right? But that's the one she's making. Audits are a continuation. Are a continuation of the insurrection. No, an insurrection is a violent attempt to overthrow a government. That's a lie. There was no insurrection. They can keep saying this. I don't care who they have coming on TV to say it. No one was really overthrowing the United States government on January 6th. Give me a break. Not only were there no shots fired by the insurrectionists, they were unarmed. The only person who was hit with a bullet that day was an unarmed female protester shot through a door in the neck. Ashley Babbitt killed, and to this day we still don't have any explanation about the specifics of why that was a a lawful use of force other than the Capitol Hill police says we say it is. Oh, okay. But uh, Stacey Abrams is a great spokesperson for the Democrats when it comes to election integrity because she is also someone who perpetuated her big lie about winning the Georgia governor's race. She lost, okay? She lost the Georgia gubernatorial election And then the media let her go around on this lie tour where she would just say, oh, no, I I actually won. It was voter suppression. They cheated. I won. She's the fake governor of Georgia. So in that sense, she's a perfect, a perfect uh, representative of the Democrat point of view on elections, which is say anything. This is about the raw exercise of power. And even you'll notice state legislatures completely within their constitutional authority changing their laws to make fraud more difficult and to make elections even more accurate, that is part of the insurrection, too. That is part of the big lie. How is that a lie? They're they're doing what they are completely allowed to and is legally and constitutionally permissible. 
doesn't matter. They just say this stuff. Don Lemon is just out there saying stuff about the insurrection like this. Play clip four. I spoke with a Republican lawmaker last night, um, and he told me during the commercial break, he said, listen, I fought in uh, the war, Denver Riggleman. He said, I, I went to war. And he said, but the difference was is that I didn't have people denying the realities of war or denying my experience. And what happened at the Capitol was nothing less than war, as I said, hand-to-hand combat. And to have people deny that is just disgusting. And the only reason they're doing it, I believe, is because... One, they're embarrassed. Two, because they don't want it um, marked down in history. They don't want it recorded because of their, they're complicit. They're complicit because the lies that they told and the way that they were able to be co-opted by the former president, to them, I'm, I'm sure it's embarrassing. And it's, you know, some form of they're trying to reconcile it um, in their minds, cognitive dissonance. Um, but something, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but something is off. Don Lemon might actually be the dumbest person on TV news. I, I, I usually say it's actually other people, Steve Schmidt or Anna Navarro. Or, but no, it, it actually think my, it might be Don Lemon. You're comparing the Capitol, the Capitol Hill riot, which you're calling an insurrection to wars like Iraq and Afghanistan. Heavy machine gun fire, people being mutilated by mortar rounds, by IEDs. Our soldiers losing their legs, our people being killed, civilians being brutalized and murdered on a daily base, daily basis. You're comparing the Capitol Hill riot, where not a not a single shot fired, not a single officer killed by the rioters. So I guess then BLM was waging war against the country, day in and day out, for months in an election year. That kind of feels like an insurrection to me, doesn't it? A series of small wars going on in an election year. Because of Don Lemon's definition, I think we have to understand that that's exactly what he's saying, whether he knows it or not. The BLM movement was waging a series of wars against the United States government, the United States people. Just like war, hand-to-hand combat, he says. Memorial Day is coming up, and after that, you got the Independence Day weekend, too, right? These are times when we think about how we show our patriotism in this country And for a lot of us, that means flags. Now, you want to have a great American flag, right? You want to have one that looks good, that's durable. That's why you need Allegiance Flag Supply. Allegiance Flag Supply was started because there were a lot of flags out there that were getting tangled, mildewed, torn, and shredded after just a few months in flight. So the folks behind this company searched high and low for a better flag, and they realized that big box stores and Amazon purchases only turned up flags that were made in China. So here's what they did. They started a company with American flags that are top quality. They are made in the USA by seamstresses here in the U.S. And the quality of the craftsmanship speaks for itself. I've got one right now in my home, in my living room. These are brilliant, beautiful flags. Show your patriotism. Be all American. Support American jobs and an American company with Allegiance flag. Get one now in time for Memorial Day. The offer code to use here is BUCK. You'll get 10% off. Just go to showallegiance.com. That's showallegiance.com. And you'll be able to get 10% off when you use offer code BUCK at showallegiance.com. Get your American flag today. Get one you can have indoors, outdoors, will look great, and is all about this country of ours called America. The high-pressure business of selling woke corporate armor. 
by Mark Hemingway. RealClearInvestigations.com from uh, from this week. We've got Mark with us now to explain and break this down. Mark, my friend, let's just I want to give some folks a little bit of context here. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to quote from your piece and then hand it off to you. In 2017, Nandini Jami helped launch a company called Sleeping Giants to pressure corporate advertisers into boycotting conservative media with little more than a Twitter account, a Facebook group and a gift for incendiary rhetoric. The company reportedly prompted a range of corporations from Pfizer to Walmart to pull advertising, uh, advertising from Fox News and other right leaning outlets. Mark, just just give some folks who is this uh, sleeping. I mean, I've had to deal with them. They've come after me before. But tell everybody what is Sleeping Giants and what do they do? Well, so Sleeping Giants isn't much more than, you know, what you describe them as. I mean, they're basically a couple of social media accounts. Um, It was initially run by two people. Uh, well, first of all, I should clarify, initially it was it was done in secret and they were causing all these corporations to back out of advertising, you know, based on what were anonymous social media complaints in, in a lot of ways. Um, but it was initially founded by Nandini Jammy, who you mentioned, and another guy named Matt Rivets, who's uh, in the advertising industry out in the Bay Area. Uh, although Nandini Jammy has since left, uh, you'd be shocked to know that she is, you know, so woke that she accused her founder and sleeping giants of sexism and taking credit for her work and it was all very acrimonious when they split up. But Sleeping Giants is, is still very much around, and then Jeannie Jammy's still urging boycotts on her own. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've, they've had a massive impact on the online advertising market. And it would be fair to say that they have completely upended online advertising uh, in ways, frankly, that they didn't intend it and don't like. And, and I kind of go into that in the article. And, and can I just point out to everybody, I mean, they some of their big – their big, uh, you know, attacks were against Breitbart. I mean, they they almost defunded Breitbart in a sense. I mean, they they cut Breitbart's yeah. advertising down to the place where it was an entirely not not just an unsustainable business model over the long term, but I mean, they, they were having trouble month to month. And and I think it's important for people to realize as well that it actually isn't. It, they're relying on the creation of fear in media executives through a false narrative that there's a public groundswell, that there's some mass of people who are all so upset about this, and they try to get an immediate overreaction from corporate interests who are scared of being called racist or whatever. So they, they create the, the perception of really a fake woke mob in some cases. There is a woke mob occasionally that they're pointing to, but often it's just, oh, look at us. We're going to tweet at you and keep tweeting at you. And they've been able to be very successful and they essentially assassinate conservative media. That's what they do. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, they claim that they're only going after like hate speech and extremism. But the reality is, is that they're targeting conservative media. At one point last year, Nandini Jammy put together this whitelist that she was handing out to people like these are the publications that it's safe to advertise against. And and. And um, publications like Salon, which are far left wing and have like published pieces written by literal pedophiles, were deemed okay. Whereas there was not a single conservative news outlet on the list, including the Wall Street Journal, which isn't even that conservative. It just happens to have a a, you know conservative editorial page, but the news site is 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 liberal. Um, So I mean, there's no question that. And, and they've, they've even said as much in interviews that, that basically this was an anti-conservative, anti-Trump effort. We're speaking to Mark Hemingway. He is a writer at Real Clear Investigations. He's got a great piece there, the high pressure business of selling woke corporate armor. So now, now that we've established 
who this group is. And and for everyone listening, this this group just finds people like me. They've come after me specifically on covid and lockdowns and things like that to try to then go after corporate uh, sponsors. So people that are willing to sponsor my show to try to sell products for the good people who listen to my show, uh, they'll do this. But now there's a whole nother chapter. This is where we get into the selling of the woke corporate armor, because, you know, I'm sure that if they were if the sleeping giants uh, folks, you know, if they were at some kind of activist summit, they would they would be very social justice aware and very Marxist in their inclinations. But turns out they're capitalists in their own way. Yeah. So as I meant, as we discussed, the two people that were initially found at Sleeping Giants, you know, sort of had this acrimonious breakup. Well, when Nandini Jammy left, you know, accusing her, you know, former partner in Sleeping Giants of sexism and all that other nonsense. The first thing she did is she went off and she started this organization called Check My Ads, where the whole point is, is she wants businesses to pay her to tell her how to spend their uh, so that she can tell them how to spend their advertising dollars in ways that will keep them safe from you know the woke mobs that she herself has created i mean like even now if you go to her twitter feed i mean she spends all day every day basically attacking corporations for advertising and things that she doesn't like i mean she's creating this climate of fear and now she wants businesses to pay her to say hey i'm going to protect you from this i mean it's it's exactly that i mean i i one i talked to a market professor in the piece who describes it you know as essentially blackmail um and and it's hard to not see it as some kind of protection racket well it's it's like creating the virus and then selling the cure right you you have this you induce a a, it's a digitally induced panic and and for everyone listening they go after fox news they go after talk radio they're trying to shut down i mean this it's like i said this is an information war mark mentions that in the piece and these are conservative media or assassins of conservative media. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to just take people off the the playing field as fast as they can by frightening and causing. It's often the overreaction that's the most su- uh, successful tactic. So they w- they want to say that they want to get people in these corporate boardrooms terrified. Oh, gosh, there, there are going to be so many people who are going to think we're racist and we better <coughs> cut ties with this organization. And then a few days later, they would have figured out, hold on a second. Uh, no one really cares. It was, they're not, you know, the show isn't racist or the show isn't sexist. Why would we pull? But if you've already made the decision, then you don't want to go back on it as an executive. And now what you're telling me, Mark, is that the same people behind this high profile and unfortunately very successful effort are saying, hey, nice media company or, or any company. Uh, be a shame if uh, some wokeness happened to it. But we can sell you woke insurance, basically. Yeah, that, that's basically right, except, you know, you're, you're right about them creating the, the climate of fear, except they've been too successful at creating the climate of fear. Because so what has happened is something that's very interesting and, and they're very upset about this. I mean, Mandini Jimmy's written newsletters complaining and worried about this, which is that most advertising dollars these days aren't spent on like TV ads or print ads like they used to be. They're spent online doing targeted ads, right? Um, where corporations can pay to, I want to go after this specific demographic, you know, or, you know, people that read about this topic. And so what's happened now is that because 
advertising online is just sort of sort of like you know thrown out there in weirdly specific ways that have nothing to do with the publication that corporations have now instituted according to algorithm what they call keyword blacklists so they don't want to advertise against you know certain controversial topics because they don't want that associated with their brand right so but but because of all this fear of boycotts now these keyword blacklists have expanded to like 3000 words uh, for some companies so if your story includes the word trump you know you know coronavirus or blood there's a good chance that some media saying some, some media companies saying got an algorithm saying my, our ads are not going to appear against the stories and so as a result media corporations are losing millions and millions of dollars and what was crazy is last year media corporations started applying these controversial keyword blacklists against coronavirus and covid uh the university of baltimore did a study and showed that something media companies lost 1.2 billion dollars in ad revenue because corporations were explicitly declining to advertise against any news involving coronavirus and that is all directly a result of the climate of fear that these woke boycotts have created speaking of mark hemingway his piece is excellent on real real clear investigations.com the high pressure business of selling woke corporate armor uh, if we are going to understand the premise mark that we are in what is effectively now an online information war and people are they're trying to fight dirty i mean that's you know the there's no there's no reprieve there's no appeal when sleeping giants you know gets your advertisers to hit you there can sometimes be a cascading effect and and there's nothing fair about this right i mean it's almost like somebody going to your boss and saying hey so and so is a is a wife beater and your boss fires you the next day and you have no, you know, you, have, you feel like you have no recourse. And then the boss doesn't want to go back on it because, well, I made that decision. Right. So they try to yeah. get hasty moves made against media entities and corporations. Uh, what 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 do we do in response? To this? I mean, part of it, obviously, is what we're doing here, which is explaining to people that there's there's a need to be aware of this and also to remind everybody that the left plays for keeps and on the right, we're always you know, we think it's not going to be a big deal. I think this is changing right now, but we think it's not going to be a big deal to allow the left to dominate the cultural, political media communication heights of our society and just sort of see what happens. You know, it's I think yeah. we're learning the hard way what that actually means. What can we do in response to this? Well, I do think that um, this isn't going to change until there is, you know, I, you know, there's obviously it's it, the idea that conservatives should run off and start their own boycotts and response or whatever is a fraught and difficult thing. Um, but there's no question in my mind that until we start, you know, bloodying the noses of some of these corporate people that make these rash decisions, they're going to keep making them. Um, because a big part of the problem we have now is I think most corporations have realized that getting a thousand tweets um, you know, stirred up by one group isn't actually damaging to their consumer base if they're a large corporation. But what's happening now is they've, the, cor the corporate people, the corporations have gone beyond that, which is to say that there's a substantial portion of woke employees from within inside the company that are using this as an excuse to do what they already wanted to do with the institutional power of their business. And that is, again, you know, put the screws to conservatives. Um, so, 
Um, you know, there have been a couple of ba- recent examples of backlash. Um, Basecamp, which is, I don't know, it's like a collaboration business software company, had been really aggressive in pushing out woke messages to its customers. And and it, I, I guess they got enough feedback that all of a sudden they like reversed course on a dime um, and it made a big announcement they wouldn't be doing that anymore. And, you know, people were very happy to see that happen. But, you know, it, it's, it's a rare instance that that happened. And a third and of their the- employees left, yeah. as you know, which I, I remember yeah. I was talking about this on Fox news outnumbered and everyone's saying oh isn't this great and i said it is great the woke mob is coming for them now though and they did well and that's the other thing about this though is that you know say you're a ceo and you're getting pressure from inside your company and you're going to lose your top four you know coders or engineers uh because they're woke you know it makes all of a sudden these decisions you know a lot more complicated than they should be the problem is is like you say it's a climate of fear where these people are forced into making short-term decisions that may not be in their long-term interest Mark Hemingway, everybody, go check out his piece uh, on Real Clear Investigations, Real Clear Investigations. This is a person that definitely needs to be held accountable for war crimes. People need to understand. I'm not asking you to stand against, um, you know, the, 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 the various people there, but the leader there that is promoting this kind of violence that is leading to the continuation of killing of, you know, children and and just the continuation of just the pain and the harm and the oppression uh, uh, and the violence towards Palestinians. That is that is something that has continued to be enabled and supported by this prime minister. Rashida Tlaib, member of Congress, Democrat, saying that Netanyahu should be held accountable for war crimes. I, I just I play this stuff for you. So there's a reminder here of how the Democrats are nuts. You know, how there are so many Democrats that say things you go, what? Okay, let's just play this out. What war crime exactly? And and who we're going to we're going to march. Let's say she got her way. And I'm sure Ilhan Omar would agree with her. I'm sure AOC. Uh, let, let's say that the squad, so to speak, within Congress got their way. And and Benjamin Netanyahu was being held accountable for war crime. That would mean what? That they'd go, uh, the, you know, the International Criminal Court would, would haul the Prime Minister of Israel before them, and what are they going to? Lo- they're going to lock him up. I mean, I just want to know what they really think is supposed to happen. Where they talk about accountability, I mean, the Israeli people hold elections, so that's a mechanism for accountability. And one thing that has become very clear in Israel over recent and last over the last twenty years, really, is that there's not really much of an appetite for allowing. Uh, terrorist groups around Israel's borders to 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 ruin life, to murder people, to destroy the state of Israel. There's not a not an acceptance of that. I mean, there's some lunatic leftists in Israel I know who are saying, "Oh, what if only we were nicer to the terrorists?" But in general, they've said, "No, no, we we actually need somebody who's just going to say enough. We're done." You know, somebody who recognizes that is, Israelis would rather just, you know, be going to work, be with their families. You know, going for a bike ride at the beach, enjoying the sunshine, living their lives. They, they don't actually want to have to worry about psycho jihadists blowing up pizzerias or with, you know, suicide bombers or Hamas firing rockets into their neighborhoods all over Israel. All over Israel. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Somebody, you know, under under rules of engagement that our military had, if you saw uh, somebody who was loading up a mortar round to fire it into the green zone, you're damn right we killed that person. It was absolutely the right move. Now, you could ar- you could try to argue, oh, but 
what are the chances the mortar round went? Well, I mean, a mortar round fired into the green zone uh, basically took the leg off of, almost took the leg off of, they were able to save it, uh, a, a good friend of mine who was serving overseas. So, yeah, and, and, and people did get killed uh, who were serving in the military or serving in the State Department in the green zone. That, that did happen. Uh, so, yeah, it's a lethal, it's a lethal act to do that. To be firing indirect fire into civilian areas on purpose, I mean, you know, you, you should use lethal force against that. So, so what, what even is the war crime here? That's what's, what's amazing to me. The, the war crime is Israel defending itself as far as Rashida Tlaib is concerned. The war crime is the Israeli state not bending the knee and begging forgiveness from the bloodthirsty psychopaths who run Hamas. That's what's actually the problem. And that the Democrat Party allows this within their ranks, I mean, that they don't censure people for saying this kind of stuff, tells you a lot, tells you a lot. But there's, a, there's plenty of areas where Democrats are looney tunes, so it's not like this is the only one. Rebecca Jones, the COVID whistleblower who wasn't. That is the title of a great piece on NationalReview.com by my good friend Charles Cook, who is a senior writer at National Review, and he joins us from the sunny state of Florida. Charles, great to have you back. Oh, nice to talk to you again. Tell me what the story of Rebecca Jones is, just in, in the most general terms. She, she was an important figure of the anti-Florida, anti-Decentis, COVID lockdown resistant, or no, she, she wasn't resisting the lockdowns. She hated people who did, essentially. Tell me what happened here. Well, the, the back of the envelope account of the story is that Rebecca Jones was a dashboard manager in the Florida Department of Health. That is, she was charged with putting information up about Florida's COVID rates, including Florida's COVID deaths. And she was fired for insubordination last year in May. And after a few weeks of being fired, she started to say that she had been fired because she was a whistleblower and that she had been asked to fudge the numbers, to edit the raw data, to hide deaths, to facilitate Governor DeSantis's reopening plan. This got picked up spread everywhere. It's the reason you cannot read a story about Florida and coronavirus without being told by thousands of people on Twitter and in comment sections and across the political world that Florida has fudged its numbers. The problem with the story, exciting as it might sound, is that it is all false. It's a lie. And in fact, Rebecca Jones is not only uh, a conspiracy theorist and a confidence trickster, uh, but she's bad news in general. Uh, this is somebody who causes havoc wherever she goes, who is constantly being charged with crimes. She's awaiting trial on two different crimes, one a felony, one a misdemeanor in Florida. And she has essentially libeled a bunch of hardworking and honest people at the Florida Department of Health because she can't hold down a job. And I thought it was about time the full story with all of the documents and citations was told. Charles, tell me, what is the breakdown? I know you do it in the piece. And we're speaking to Charles Cook, who's a senior writer at NationalReview.com. I know you do it in the piece. But for everyone listening, what is her, her claim is that they were covering up the numbers. 
What's the reality of that specific claim? How do we know that it is unequivocally false? That, as you put it here, it's just it's a lie and she's a confidence trickster. Well, Rebecca Jones relentlessly inflates the role that she was playing within the Florida government. And the Florida response team has been led by a man called Jared Moskowitz. He's a Florida emergency management leader. He's a progressive Democrat. He's not a Republican or a conservative. He was in the state legislature uh, until, I think, 2019. His father is a big Democratic bundler in the state of Florida. And Ron DeSantis asked him to handle the response uh, he has been warning Democrats about Rebecca Jones. He's been telling them not to buy this conspiracy theory. Um, and the reason for that is that he knows what her role was, and that was as the manager of a dashboard. That is it. Now, she's fairly good at managing dashboards, but it is essentially a glorified IT job. You have to have a little knowledge of geography. That's her background. Um, but nothing more. She's not a scientist. She's not a data analyst. She's not a doctor. She's not an epidemiologist. She did not have a senior role within the Florida Department of Health. And that matters because only a few people in Florida are permitted to touch the raw data, to assemble it, to edit it, to make changes to it. There are obviously privacy concerns here. Rebecca Jones's job was to be given copies of the epidemiological data by the epidemiological team and then to put it up on the forward-facing dashboard according to the instructions set by doctors who know what they're doing. Uh, she claims that she was told to fudge the numbers. She was never in a position to do that. She doesn't have the positions within uh, permissions within the Florida system to do that. She was sent copies of data. She put it on the dashboard. She was fired because she kept telling um, journalists that she disagreed with the way that Florida was counting its numbers. But Florida counts its numbers in the same way every other state counts its numbers. It, it follows the CDC guidelines on this. Um, she's entitled her opinion if she thinks the CDC statistical basis is wrong. But that is a very different objection to um, being asked to, to fudge the numbers. And, I, and just before I finish this point, it is worth saying that the claim that she is making here is not a marginal one. You know, it's, it's not a claim of... Um, of moderate difference. It's not, it's, it's not a, about massaging the truth. She is claiming that Dr. Shamariel Robeson, who is the Deputy Secretary of Health in Florida, the first African-American Deputy Secretary of Health, very, very well-respected chronic disease epidemiologist, instructed her to change the raw data to which she doesn't have access in Florida in order to um, facilitate Ron DeSantis's political aims. That is a, a, an objective, substantive claim, and it is false. And it is entirely uh, true of Governor Cuomo in New York, which I also find fascinating, which we've all seen now more and more information about that. So the Democrat hero governor of the pandemic did exactly what this woman and many others have claimed falsely Ron DeSantis of Florida has done during the pandemic. I mean, Charles, just while, while we're here, I, I pulled up from January because it's always fascinating. You have to use that for everyone listening. You have to use those uh, search tools where you look at what news outlets were saying within a certain time frame. And all of a sudden you say, wow, they, they are just completely disgusting propaganda organs. Back in January, data scientist, Rebe data scientist Rebecca Jones turns herself in to Florida authorities 
And it just goes into exactly what you said. I mean, NPR was telling people Rebecca Jones was a whistleblower, a data scientist who was being forced to fudge the numbers. They have done no update. They haven't covered this since. Well, and, and this, of course, is the second part of the story. And you're, you're pointing out that she's not a data scientist, which is correct. Now, why did she turn herself in? Well, she's turned herself in because she was charged with a felony. Now, that felony was hacking into the Florida state government data systems from her home and downloading the personal information of 19,000 Department of Health employees. The search warrant that was executed uh, very uh, assiduously lists the evidence for this. The government of Florida worked with Comcast to trace the IP address that um, was attached to uh, the computer that performed this hack, and it traced it back to her home. (laughs) So uh, it then took the information uh, from her home. Uh, It took a bunch of of computers and and, and other uh, internet-connected devices, and it convinced a judge in a heavily Democratic county, Leon County, which is where Tallahassee is, to sign an arrest warrant which was then executed. Now, she claims that this was orchestrated by Ron DeSantis. She uses the word Gestapo to describe the police officers who came to her house. But this is absolute nonsense. The, the uh, uh, search warrant was upheld by a Democratic judge. The arrest warrant was signed by a Democratic judge. The evidence is overwhelming. And even her description of what happened when that search warrant was executed is full of lies. I mean, she wrote in the Miami Herald an op-ed in which she outlined the Gestapo-like tactics of the cops. She said that they had pointed guns at her and at her children. So they released the body cam footage. And it shows that they did nothing of the sort. In fact, they were extremely patient, extremely courteous. And all the local newspapers who had reported breathlessly that they had pointed guns at her children had to quickly retract and say, oh, well, now we've watched the body cam footage. I, I hope you're getting an impression of who this person is. <laughs> I believe she was also, as you say in the article, and this is we're talking to Charles Cook. Great piece on nationalview.com. Rebecca Jones, the covid whistleblower who wasn't. And, and this for everyone. This was a national story that that I mean, just Charles. Well, first of all, I wanted to say she was fired from her job for having uh, at a university for having amorous relations in her office with a student. Then there was a stalking issue with her. And then there was an assault. Was it an assault on a police officer or something? I mean, That's she's right in Louisiana. Yeah. Assault on a police officer in Louisiana. I mean, this is a woman who clearly has problems. And yet to give to give everyone a sense, why, why are we talking about this? Somebody who seems like a loon when you know the truth. Charles, what 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 do you see online? I mean, just anecdotally, when someone says, look at the numbers in Florida with no lockdown, look at the numbers in New York or California with a lockdown and they get to the, the data issue and Rebecca Jones. Well, I mean, this is the problem, I think, that the, the lockdown advocates have, that Florida, which has the third largest population of any state in the union, is 27th in deaths. And that's even more impressive when you consider how old the population in Florida is relative uh, to, to most states. Um, I think per capita, Florida is 40th in deaths of, of seniors, which is remarkable given how many um, there are. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you've got a bit of a problem if you're a lockdown advocate because Florida's numbers aren't too different than, say, California's, which had a heavy lockdown. And they're enormously better than New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and so on. 
Um, so the only way you can account for that, unless you want to admit that actually Governor DeSantis got it right, which is my position, um, is to say, well, they must be fudging the numbers. And so, of course, Rebecca Jones gives those people an excuse not to look at the material differences here and not to have to face the facts. Um, and she's been extremely effective at it. I mean, this, we shouldn't forget this. My piece is, is, is good at debunking what she's done, but she's been a success. She's raised at least half a million dollars. It was half a million dollars in December, according to the Tampa Bay Times, from online GoFundMe. Um, accounts, multiple GoFundMe accounts. Uh, people send paper checks to her. We don't quite know how much uh, money she's raised that way. And she's had champions in the press, Chris Cuomo, Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow, um, and in the state of Florida itself, Nikki Freed, who's the agriculture commissioner, she's running for governor, um, and uh, Charlie Crist, who's a congressman here, former governor, who's probably going to run for governor again. People have spread this um, around, and that's why you can't read a piece on Florida without hearing about that. Charles Cook takes the lie to the woodshed where it belongs in Rebecca Jones, the COVID whistleblower who wasn't NationalReview.com. Charles, great to have you, man. We'll have you back soon. Oh, thanks for having me. Secondly, roots. Second are reconstruct. You had to deconstruct the horrible situation that the Trump administration had created at the border deconstruct it so you can reconstruct a better system. And they have. And the third is uh, my our friends, the refugees. As I've said to you all before, you've heard it, you can repeat it, I'm sure, because you've heard me say it over and over again, that when we had a hearing on this subject, the evangelicals said that the U.S., the United States Refugee Resettlement Program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism. Pelosi's making stuff up on immigration constantly. I mean, to claim that the Trump administration left them some broken system and so it's not their fault because what could they really do? How are they ever really going to figure this out is absurd. Absurd. It's a lie. But Pelosi is very comfortable lying to you. She doesn't care. She knows she won't held be accountable for it. Yes, there was a there was just just some history here. There was a surge of unaccompanied minors to the border under the Trump administration. It didn't stop because Latin America or the rest of the world ran out of children who were could be sent into America by parents who wanted to scam the immigration system and to take advantage of the kindness and the decency of the American people and the way that we insist that we act toward toward children in, in circumstances where, of course, they're kept safe and fed and you know taken care of. So it's not because they ran out. It's because the Trump administration came up with a policy. And it wasn't only unaccompanied minors either. You also had the beginnings of, of family units showing up. And that's why when you put Remain in Mexico in place, all of a sudden people who were showing up and individuals who would show up and say, I want asylum in your country. They were told, oh, we need you to go wait in Mexico and we'll, we'll tell you when your asylum hearing comes up. And, and then it stopped. The wave stopped because, hold on a second, if I actually have to go through the process, I'm not going to get asylum. That's the, the whole point is to skip the process. The whole desire here is to not have uh, to not have a circumstance, a situation 
where you actually have to present yourself before a judge and say why you think you should get asylum because they don't they're not asylees. Overwhelmingly, they're people that just wanted to pretend to be asylees to get into the country. So why is Pelosi saying that? Why is Pelosi lying with this? Because she can because she'll get away with it. She says hungry people are fleeing because of the climate issue and the drought. Climate change is not causing the surge at the border. Joe Biden is causing the surge at the border. Unprecedented numbers happening right on Joe Biden's watch. They can try to hide from this as much as they want. They can try to lie about this as much as they want. It's just simply not true. And it's important for all of us to continue to to speak honestly about this and to call them out for the lies because they are lying. They are lying when they say that this was uh, caused not by Biden's much more uh, lenient and and open borders favoring policy decision to, to get rid of remain in Mexico, um, but by something that Trump did or, or by climate change? Really? Has there been some massive change in the climate in Central America in the last three months that we're not aware of? Please, Nancy, show your show your work here. Take, take us through this problem set. I'm just wondering how you can get to that. But just you got to go with the, the stupid talking points. One other thing, speaking of dumb talking points, defund the police, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, as you know. And Democrats are figuring this out. There's a big mayor's race here in New York City, biggest city of the country. Andrew Yang, remember him when he was running for president? He's even said, yeah, defund the police, not so smart. Play 22. The first thing I do as mayor is go to our police force and say that your city needs you. Your city needs you to do your jobs professionally, responsibly, and justly. But the police are going to be a core uh, a core way for us to address the public safety concerns that so many New Yorkers have. And let me be clear, defund the police is the wrong approach for New York City. We need to evolve to a 21st century form of policing, a new anti-violence and community safety unit that would work with community leaders, a plainclothes cops that go into communities and concentrate on getting the guns out and on what's called focused deterrent. Yeah, no, that's... I understand he has to say that stuff for the activists, but at least he understands defund the police. I don't know what's a dumber slogan, actually. Walls don't work or defund the police. Two of the dumbest things ever said in politics anywhere. I mean, just objectively stupid things to say. And Democrats embrace them both in recent years. Walls don't work. Defund the police. Andrew Yang understands you're you're going to have problems in New York if you continue to be undermining the NYPD. And this is true in cities across the country. So remember that we have seen the results. They're awful. Defund the police was a reckless, irresponsible thing to say. And Democrats embraced it and got away with it until now. Okay, joining us now, we've got Ann Coulter, 13 time New York Times bestselling author and Coulter.com for her latest column. And what do you think about the latest CDC guidance? Yes, yes. Uh, it, I mean, it's good that, that for for certain people. I just don't tend to know any of those people. I think they're still in their apartments in New York. Um, though I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. If they if they did have grandparents, I mean, those people I think have at least the ones I know have rushed out um, to get the vaccine. It seems like 
the vulnerable know who they are. Um, they've gotten the vaccine. <laughs> it does seem a little crazy to be rushing to vaccinate kids in their in their teens. And I'm totally pro pro vaccine. Get the flu vaccine. This vaccine seems to be going great. Um, but I, I think everybody who needs it has gotten it. You know, one of the or, or close to close to. Okay, we can still get a few more. Um, one of one of the attacks. It was odd how the the media switched on this when it was black people who didn't who were um, vaccine hesitant. Um, it was the fault of of white people. It was uh, what was it Tuskegee, which is apparently still a fresh memory, and they just they don't trust the medical establishment. Now the claim is no, it's Trump voters who are vaccine hesitant, um, and that's the fault also of white people. Um, for being for not watching enough MSNBC, I guess. But I think the real explanation for that is is that a lot of conservatives live in rural areas. They aren't going to parties. They don't live in the cities. But, but you know, leave things up to people themselves. They know if they have an autoimmune disease. They know if they're old. They know they know if they if they're someone who needs a vaccine. This 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 hectoring. We didn't get hectoring from from Biden. I will say that. But whoa, do we get hectoring from from the media on on how everyone must get the vaccine? Including now, Biden. now, Anne, you wrote this week about, and I like that. You know, you, you point out that there's been this whole appeal to authority thing during this whole COVID pandemic, where you know, I'll say, hold on a second. You know, Fauci said one thing yesterday, and he said something different today. And people say, I'm sorry, do you have an MD? And it's like, well, that doesn't really matter, right? I mean, I do know that when someone's contradicting themselves, something is going on. <laughs> exactly. And and in your column at, at AnnColter.com and in, in other places where it's picked up in syndication, you write about how there is a real disagreement among the, quote, experts about where this virus actually came from, not just, you know, something that appears on Fox News here or there, but that now the science is very unclear. Tell us what you found. Yeah, so I'd written a column, um, who knows, six months ago, eight months ago, um, about the the theory. Some some were were more aggressive than others in pushing the idea that um, it was the Wuhan Virology Lab, and, and they were doing this as a bioweapon. Um, some, I think, Trump himself, um, he said he, that he believed it had escaped from the lab. I don't believe he said he thought it was intentional. Um, and then um, others, such as myself, said, no, this came from these disgusting wet markets where they sell, um, you know, porcupine anuses. And, and by the way, have produced many, many other coronaviruses in <laughs> In, a, in human history, and we need to shut down the wet markets. Um, I had about eight points on why this is so. I still, I still maintain that the main one is, so who can believe anything um, at this point, was that um, 27 of the original 41 um, infected Chinese citizens had been, um, in fact, most of them worked at the Wuhan wet market. That's, that's still, a, and, and many of the others, remaining ones, were family members of, of the original infected who worked at the Wuhan wet market. Um, so I still think that's a tough one to overcome. But what was stunning to me, and the reason I wrote this column was, one of my eight points was scientists have look at, looked at, at, at the genes and, and, and you know, examined it under the microscope, and they say this couldn't have been engineered by humans. 
There were a couple of very strong statements. I cited one by a guy, Kristen Anderson, at um, the Scripps Institute in California, a professor of, of virology. He, he signed um, this paper, or he was the lead author of the paper stating this, um, made perfect sense. I don't know what the science is. No, it turns out, <laughs> that turns out isn't true. Um, and that came out in this uh, Nicholas Wade article in Medium, um, where he goes through most outrageous, one of it, I didn't cite him, but one of the, um, one of the, you know, science guys, the experts, got two dozen other scientists um, to sign a letter to, I think this, this one was the one in the Lancet, um, or what was in Nature Medicine. Yeah, one of those important um, journal now, things that, yeah, sure, right. These are reputable, allegedly reputable medical journals denouncing as a crazy conspiracy. We stand together to say this could not possibly have been manufactured by humans. Turns out none of that is true. And I find, I mean, in a, in a world where everything seems corrupt, you, can tr you obviously cannot trust the media. Um, after a year of the nonsense over Russia um, and be being told nightly that the filibuster was invented to... To, to crush black people, and the police were invented to, to chase runaway slaves. That, that is said nightly on MSNBC, by the way. I'm not making that up. No, I know. Um, it's crazy. It's, it could not be more obviously crazy. untrue if you just spent five seconds researching it, but they don't care. <laughs> but now even, even science, and it, it's particularly dispiriting in a year, I mean, this has been going on for a while, where science has become our new religion. It's, it's you know, a laugh line now, at least for, for normal people, to say, trust the science, trust the science. And, uh, you know, right-wingers are anti-science. It is our new religion. I do not think Puritans listened to their, to their pastors, hung on their every word, did what they said. I don't think Moonies, I don't think Scientologists follow, follow their leaders the way the way. Um, you know, liberal white women are following Fauci, Fauci, trust the science. And now it turns out that's a load of crap, too. Speaking to Ann Coulter, everybody, best-selling author and columnist. And, and Ann, you, you know, with, with this whole trust the science thing, that this is the mantra that we've been hearing all along, I am, I am very certain that there are going to be that if somebody walks around now in New York City, I mean, you know, you're down in Florida, so it's a little bit more normal. In New York City, if you walk around and you say, "Hey, um, I I'm vaccinated. I want to go to the grocery store," people are going to look at you like you're a murderer. Still, like this is going to take a while <laughs> for them to accept. Yes, I think that's right. But you know, I don't really have a problem with that. If people want, if I wore masks on airplanes long before COVID. I'm I'm a germaphobe. I'm all for people, you know, cleaning stuff up. They know they know whether they have an, an autoimmune disease. They know whether they're they're scaredy cats. Fine, fine, but 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 this this um just well, there's fake certainty. But what you're talking about in your, your Wuhan article is that there was fake certainty about where it came from, which just wasn't true. Yes. Yes, and by the way, I'm not saying which side is right. Wow, the science is totally outside of my bailiwick here. But it is the, the, the just cocksuredness of these scientists without allowing <laughs> alternative viewpoints. And one interesting thing Wade says in, in, his, in his article, um, which I guess I suspected, but it is so much worse than I imagined, he says, probably the reason other scientists didn't step forward is, is there is no free speech in science anymore. Step, 
step out of line from what your fellow virologists are saying, and you can expect to go, get no federal grants. You could be fired from your, from your institution. You could be canceled. Well, okay, can, can, we, can we get us everybody in like a cone of silence and ask them about transgenders and global warming and 8 million other things that we're told to shut up about because trust the science, these scientists agree. Well, this is something the scientists agreed on, and it is apparently very much up for doubt whether the coronavirus could have been, not that it was, could have been invented in a lab. And I just want to say that from what we've seen from the CDC – if we did not have scientists working in the private sector at the much demonized big pharma getting this vaccine, if we relied on the actual seat, which has a multi-billion dollar budget, if it was all hands oh on deck gosh, at the CDC right. to come up with a vaccine in, I would be a senior citizen before they'd have a vaccine. These people are incompetent. <laughs> as they as the media expected, another another why we heard repeatedly from the media ho 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 trump says we're gonna get a vaccine by the end of the year good luck with that i was my, they made fun of me on the bill maher show when i said he's planning to have it this year everyone laughed and but it wasn't like when you said that trump was going to win the election and they all laughed that was even better <laughs> so anyway sometimes that that audience when that audience boos you you know you're on to something and culture yeah, everybody like and Coulter.com for her latest column, syndicated column. Ms. Coulter, as always, a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Rock and roll, fellow patriots. It's time for Roll Call. Roll call, which means everybody's working for the weekend. Almost there. It is Friday. I am so happy about it. I think I'm just going to curl up in a ball on the couch and sleep for most of the weekend and do a Malta part two podcast, which is going to be amazing. It'll be out next week. Uh, Producer Mark, how are you, buddy? What, what do you got planned? You and Mrs. Mark going to go for a stroll, going to go outside, get some fresh air. What's going on, buddy? No, maybe we'll maybe we will go for a stroll, but uh, after we you know continue cramming things in boxes, you're not done yet. Uh, you, you're never truly done, Buck. That's true. Well, you, you know, you you reach the phase in the moving. When you start moving, you're like, I'm going to be so organized. I'm going to put everything in its proper place. I'm going to use markers to tell me what side is up and where this goes and all this other. And by the time you get like more than halfway or two thirds through. You're just throwing crap into duffel bags. You know, what I mean? you're just like yeah. you're, you're putting you're putting pillows in in clean trash bags. You're just doing whatever you can do. Exactly. I think that's where the the point that I'm at is. It's there's no kitchen boxes anymore. It's all right. We have this box. What can I fit in it? Yep. Yep. And yep. and I'm trying to throw as much stuff out as possible. I'm like, we have too much stuff. So let's get rid of as much as we can. Yeah, I know what that's like. I got I got too much stuff as well. Way too much. I got I got I actually you know what? That's a good. I'm going to do some spring cleaning this weekend. You know. It's a good I'm idea. Do some spring spring cleaning. I've got I've got stuff that uh, I've got some clothing, you know, people give me. I I never want to throw out a Are you like me with this? I never want to throw out a gift. And for some reason, not so much anymore cuz I'm grumpy and no one gives me gifts anymore. But for years, I would get like a a sweater or, uh, you know, some kind of a polo shirt, not from Ralph Lauren, but just like a polo shirt in general and, and as a gift. And I didn't want to throw it out because I just feel like you don't throw out gifts. But I've never I have clothing in my closet that I won't get rid of 
that has never been worn. It's brand new. So I'm just going to go donate it to, uh, you know, don't they do like, um, how, you know, housing works or one of those things? Brand new things that I have. In my, but I don't need to carry these things around anymore. Yeah, there's no reason for it. I think there's a statute of limitations on when you can get rid of a gift that you were given. Yeah, see, I have a, there's a whole part of my closet that is brand new, unworn clothing. I mean, it's not a lot, but, you know, I probably got, I don't know, I probably got four or five sweaters four or five button and I don't have that much clothing so this is a pretty good portion of my closet and and I want to go give this stuff to you know folks I'm sure they'll it's nice stuff it's you know it's an, an unworn stuff too but I'm gonna have to go give it to uh, one of those organizations that gives it to folks who could make better use of it than me so I because I, I gotta get rid of it man I, and I then I've got to get uh, I don't know the thing I really should get I got all these books every I just got books everywhere but I hate getting rid of my books it's like it's like I'm losing my friends when I get rid of my books you know how have you not th- gotten like an e-reader yet I have one but I huh. still like the you books still have the books and every time every time I'm about to give away a book I feel like it's looking at me like I'm sorry sir you're, you're going to get rid of me how many hours of insight did I give to you on the life of Henry the eighth how dare you hand me over like something you know I feel like the books call me out when I when I give them away to somebody it sounds like a mental illness <laughs> yeah, that's probably true all right, let's get to your roll call, everybody, before we have our weekends here. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. If you want to send us a Facebook message, Buck Sexton on the gram, on the Instagram. Please hook that up. And then Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com if you want to email us, and we do appreciate that. Brian, let's get to it with Brian. Hey, Buck, I just caught up on your most recent podcast, and I absolutely think the leftists will try to extradite Trump from Florida, even if they're unlikely to succeed. Politically, it's a win-win move against Governor DeSantis in a presidential election and maybe even for his re-election next year. If he stops the extradition, he'll be painted as a partisan hack who doesn't care about justice. If he doesn't, he upsets his base. Also, I wonder if you consider changing the name of the sports segment with Bruce and Mark from the penalty box to the extra point. I think it has a more positive double meaning, and while I'm not a sports guy, the banter is enjoyable enough to consider it as something extra for your listeners. Keep up the good work. Shields high. Uh, Brian, I like that, actually. Producer Mark, I think he's right. Yeah, we should give me more positivity rather than the negativity. Yeah, I, I, I think I think we'd say that you're, we're going to go to Mark for the extra point. Yeah. Well, that, that's actually really good. That is fantastic. I, I, <laughs> Brian, does Brian work in radio? Brian is very, very astute. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the penalty box is where I have to send Mark when he says that I'm, quote, late to the studio, end quote. Like, that's where we have to send Producer Mark. So you just want to, like, stifle my speech? You're doing exactly what the social media companies are doing, Buck. Yeah. Well, I thought you were just going to point out that when you say that, it is because it is, quote, true, and, quote, the clock agrees with you, end quote. But, you know. I I, I took a different way of going about it, but you're right. It is because it's true, and you're always late. Yeah. Well, there's that. Philip, Buck and Mark's Bob. Wait, Buck and Mark. Hold on. Bob's Burgers did an episode where the kids found a large ball of the whale product on the beach. So no worries about your younger audience as you just picked up a few more shields high. Well, thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, ambergris, I think is what it's called, right? I said it the other day. Whale, it's essentially whale phlegm that is very, very valuable. It, you, it, it's like worth, if you get a big chunk of it on the beach, it can be worth like 20 grand. It's, it's really valuable. So there you go. I'll have to look out this summer for some whales. Yeah, you and Mrs. Mark, you're going for a nice walk on the beach. Be like, honey, I think I see some whale phlegm. How romantic. Papa Mark needs a new pair of shoes. You know what I mean? 
All right. Dear Buck, has all the talk and fear monger about the various COVID strains gone? For a while, the media was all a flutter about the different strains making an appearance in the U.S., and now no one's talking about them. Did that fear tactic fall so flat that they gave up on it? Did it not simply progress enough as a news story? Did something else take its place? Evan, great question. Uh, it just didn't work because the variants weren't really that different from the COVID. But good call, and thanks for keeping us uh, focused on it. Everybody, have a great, honestly, have a great weekend. Shields high.